morning. Am I hearing an echo? No. Uh, good morning. <laughs> Sorry, that's just me. Um, welcome. If this is your first time here, welcome. We're glad you could join us this morning. I'm Pastor David. Uh, this is Pastor Reuben over here. Um, this is a church that God has led us to have two pastors, co-pastors. Uh, we recognize one head of this church, though, is Jesus Christ. And in him, even though we've got multiple languages represented here, multiple cultures, more than two cultures represented here, um, we have one Lord and Savior and one Spirit. Uh, and in that, we have one family. Praise the Lord uh, for what he's given us. We've been taking a, a trip through the book of Ephesians, our theme being walking in the strength of his might. So many different ways where we've got to see what it means that it is the power of God in us to walk this life that he has given us. Uh, we have the last couple of weeks looked at uh, the life that we have in Christ and last week looking at what it means to be a child of light, um, walking in the light. And this morning we're going to continue from there. Uh, if you'll turn with me into the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. Uh, starting in verse 15, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God and God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that we've just absorbed over the weeks out of this letter to the Ephesians, God, that you inspired Paul to write. And God, we recognize these words as your very words, inspired by the Spirit of God and given for us today even to apply to our lives. God, as we dig into what it means to walk in wisdom, God, we need your wisdom to understand what that looks like. We need your truth out of your word. So I pray that you would reveal that this morning out of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So that is what we're looking at this morning, is what does it mean to walk in wisdom? In this first two verses, it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Making the best use of the time. And that, that's our first point this morning, what it, what it is to walk in wisdom is to make the most of time. How do I make the most of time? Well, in honor of today, I'm going to suggest that one way that we make good use of our life, of our time, is to listen to our mother. And, and I say that for a couple of reasons, not just because you know, this, is, this is Mother's Day and we want to honor our mothers, but, but Jesus did set that example. If you look at his first miracle, he was invited with his disciples to this wedding, um, and his mother was there. And horror of horrors, they were running out of wine. And so Jesus' mother goes to Jesus and says, 
they don't have any wine. I don't remember exactly the words it said, but that's effectively what she said. And what does he say? He says, woman, what does this have to do with me? It is not my time yet. That's my translation. I, I don't have it perfectly memorized. But that, that's basically the you know, first century uh, Koine Greek uh, holy way of saying, mom, it's not time for that yet. <clears throat> right? <clears throat> but, but she knew her son. So she goes to the servants and says, whatever he tells you to do, you do. And of course, Jesus, honoring his mom, took care of it. And his first miracle then was not bringing sight to the blind or healing the sick or multiplying you know, loaves and fishes to feed thousands of people. No, it was, it was to, honor a, to bring honor to a house, uh, to a party, to, to a feast for a wedding, really to honor his mom and the wishes of his mother. So, so Jesus has given us that example. So yes, it'd be wise to follow his example to, to honor our mother. Um, but God has put something special into the heart of a mom towards us that we really should listen to. Um, there's no one else in our life who, who can really know our faults so well and yet have such great love for us at the same time, other than, I think, God himself. There's something special in the heart of a mom towards children, and I think the same develops in a spiritual mom towards those that God has put into her life, to, be, to have the heart of a mother towards them. So it would be wise for us to listen to what our moms are saying and, and, and use that I'd like to encourage you mothers, when especially your sons don't seem like they're, they're listening or all of the, the insight and wisdom you're trying to pour into them because you see the world that is darkness and, and what they're going to have to navigate and you don't want them to have to walk the hard path to get to, to life um, and they don't seem to be listening, boys remember. They do remember. I, I'm, I'm one. Um, I remember things my mom used to say. I was homeschooled uh, back in, in the, the 80s and early 90s when people would go, is that legal? Can you do that? But mom put an incredible amount of investment of herself into us as kids, and a lot of that was long conversations with mom about life, about what to expect, about what to look for in a wife. Those things are heard, and those things form the structure of who we are. So moms, don't give up on doing that. All right, let's get back to Ephesians. How to walk in wisdom, certainly to listen to the wise counsel of your mother. Um, but what is the context here? Why is it so important to walk in wisdom? Well, we've gone through just, just before this what it is to walk as children of light, realizing that we are the light of Christ in the midst of darkness, that the world itself is a place of spiritual darkness. And it, and it says here, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We're in a spiritual battle. We mentioned last week just the, the reality that we are, uh, we are facing the gates of hell. Christ said, I will build my church on this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are infiltrating the darkness on a rescue mission. 
the light of Christ, the salvation of Christ. We, we hold with us the gospel, life, that Jesus died for our sins and, and, and in Christ there is salvation and the world blinded by darkness can't see the full extent of their own sin. And we are light exposing sin, which is uncomfortable to the world and can result in conflict. We are the light of Christ and we carry with us the hope of Christ that in him is life. In him is salvation from our sin. In him is eternal life. And so we need to make the most of the time. Now, sometimes we can, we can think about, okay, God, for me to follow you means I'm, I'm going to find these, these times in my life and I'm gonna fit in this Jesus time in my life. That in the morning I've got Jesus time and then I do Bible studies um, and I've got these different times in my life that I'm fitting in Jesus time. Is that making the most of the time? Is that what it's talking about here is to start making time for Jesus in my life. Well, certainly those are good practices, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about all of my life, all of my time. So if I'm at work, there's, there's potential opportunity there. I am light in darkness going through the checkout stand. Am I looking at the countenance of the person who's bagging my groceries? Is the, the light of Jesus coming through me into those that are around me in every context of my life? That's making the most of the time, realizing that, wait, this is a spiritual battle that I'm in. I need to be vigilant and aware and looking around me to make the most of every opportunity. And that's part of also what it means to make the most of the time is to look for opportunities. Opportunities for what? As, as Paul describes it, he says looking for open do- an open door. We've, we've uh, I think we've taken the concept of God opening a door into the wrong direction in a lot of our Christian um, uh, practice of following God. When, when, when we think of opening doors, we think of the, the easy route. God, God has opened a door, now I can go through that. God has opened a door for my career, I can go through that. I think he does lead us in our career and, and in our life and all those things, um, but often we say, okay, if God's leading me, he's gonna make it easy to go in that direction. Um, which is not really what, what the Bible describes as the path towards life is, is narrow and not easy. Um, so often, uh, I, think, I think we get this idea of open door wrong. Well, how is it that Paul looks at open doors? He says an open door is an opening for the gospel, the light of Christ to shine. And often that, that open opportunity has a wall in the way. And, and walking in faith means walking straight up to that wall, expecting that when my nose is about to hit it, God's gonna bust the wall down. And if he doesn't, well then praise the Lord, he's put me in a position to see that the opportunity is there or there. I'm following Christ in faith, not following necessarily the easy path that seems before me. Oh, that must be the way I'm supposed to go. That, that's easy. We need to be looking to Christ for where, where the opportunities are that he's put in front of us. Let's look real quick in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 
as an example from Paul. Starting in, I think I said start in verse 8. Yes, starting in verse 8, Paul, Paul says, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? He's talking about where I'm going to go. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do that. Why is he staying in Ephesus, which is where this letter was written to, by the way, until Pentecost? For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. There you go. A wide door. What? For the gospel. A wide door of opportunity for the gospel. And there is great opposition. And so I'm going to stay here and take this route. What opportunities has God put into your life and those that are around you? Not opportunities that, oh, this is easy. I'm going to be able to share my faith or I'm going to be able to take this direction. No, what, what opportunities are there that, that that window of opportunity may close? And you're the only one that God has put around that person who carries the light of Christ. Are we making the most of every opportunity, making the most of the time? That's, that's the first step to walking in the wisdom of God. And, and we can expect that the enemy is going to try to, to turn us away from those things. So when there is opportunity, we have to be discerning. We have to be on our knees before God because sometimes this seems like a great opportunity. Think of what I can do for the kingdom if I take this path. But maybe the real opportunity is right here. And our adversary is trying to put other directions in front of us. How critical is it then for the second point? That in order to walk in wisdom, we need to know the will of Jesus. Not just picking a direction. There's plenty of directions. There's plenty of directions and, and effective ways that we could meet people's needs and actually be a light. There is no end to needs. Where does Jesus want us to go? And so we need to know the will of Jesus. And that's a, the next verse in Ephesians chapter 5, looking in verse 17. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I, I, I want to, to caution here that we can very much get caught up in just looking at what is the will of the Lord for me with respect to where I work, where, where I where I buy a house, what car I'm going to buy. I think God, God does lead us in those things. I think those things are more the provision that God gives us to accomplish what his will is. His will has more to do with carrying the gospel. So if he's going to lead me to buying this particular car or this, or this house or living in this place, that's as a means to a goal. The house is not the end. The job is not the end. He's put me at a job so that I can be light among the people at that job. Do I understand what the will of the Lord is? A huge part of the will of the Lord in my life has to do with developing me and my character to reflect Christ. We're reading this, this children's book, um, Audrey, 
uh, Audrey's still the age where she'll, she'll bring up the children's book she wants us to read. Charlie will kind of just look over her shoulder. Um, he's getting old enough. He doesn't bring us the book. But one of the books, it, it was just kind of this, these little silly questions. And one said, well, there's, there's a flashlight. Is there such thing as a flash dark? But what if my life has so much, even, even though I'm a child of the light, Christ is in my life. I have new life, but I continue to let darkness into my life because that's what my practice is. How effective am I going to be as a light in my job? I'm going to flash dark. I'm going to be shining nothing because there's darkness in my life. So it's to, God, to God's purpose in our life that we be a light. It's to God's purpose in our life that we have holiness in our life. So everything we were talking about the last couple of weeks is critically important for the mission that God has for us to walk in wisdom, to walk in the midst of darkness and be a light. So what have we talked about? We talked about what does abundant life look like? What does abundant life look like? Uh, the, we, we talked about truth and love, the ministry of truth and love that we have as a body towards each other, resolving conflict to thwart the enemy, putting others first, the, the outward arrows, if you remember that, speaking grace into each other's life, peacemakers, showing kindness, forgiveness. What was the darkness that we allow into our life that we covered last week and the last couple of weeks? Falsehood, corrupting talk, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. The list could go on of all of the things that we do allow into our life. It's darkness. And he says, I want you to be a light. Walk as children of light. That's who you are. And I have a purpose for you in the darkness. And, and you need to know what the will of the Lord is. All of this other stuff is the foolishness that he's talking about here. He says, don't be foolish, but know what the will of the Lord is. Am I seeing the Lord's direction in every area of my life? All right. The third area for being for walking in the wisdom of the Lord is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Read with me into the next, uh, next verse 18. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I had to look up debauchery. It's not a word we use all the time. What does debauchery mean? It means excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. Just, I, I'm just giving myself over to sensual pleasures, what, what the world has to offer. And, and drunkenness is kind of this, the, this state of just completely being given over. Now, now, I don't even have control of my own facilities. I'm just giving myself over completely to the practice of the darkness. Does that make me any less a child of light? No. And, and I want to mention in here that this is a real, drunkenness is, is a real vice and a real area of bondage that people within this body have been freed out of. If that is something that is some, currently a struggle for you, I'm, don't feel like here we're, we're bringing condemnation on you. What I'd like to say is, is find people around you in this body who have come through that 
and can walk with you? Because in Christ, we can have freedom from any, any of these things that can lead us into bondage. But it's saying, don't, don't, don't be that. Don't, don't give yourself over to that. Instead, what is the counter to that? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How, how important is this that we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, in the structure of this letter, being filled with the Holy Spirit results in what we're going to cover, 19 through 21, but also continues all the way, really, from chapter six, through chapter 6, verse 9. It's, it's everything about our life that's new is, is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It, it follows out of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the life that we have in this body is a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. What we're going to cover uh, following, following this next week is our relationships, The filling of the Holy Spirit completely changes. Wives towards husbands, husbands towards wives, children towards their parents, fathers to their sons and children, masters to slaves. That's not something we have today, but but we have bosses and and employees. But, But they're talking about actual masters to slaves and slaves to masters, how within the church you had everyone there, and the filling of the Holy Spirit was what empowered a complete change in behavior it was glorifying to God and was light in the world. It was walking in wisdom. So if we're going to walk in wisdom, we absolutely, in God's wisdom, we absolutely need to be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, we've looked at, at the role of the Spirit in Ephesians in, in so many different ways. At the beginning, it, even our, the blessings that we have in Christ are all spiritual blessings. And, and we saw that in belief, the, the Spirit of God has sealed us and has put his seal on us. Uh, we, we've seen Paul's prayer that we would know the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and knowledge, that, that, that we would be empowered by the Spirit. And, and we saw that it was in unity, that, that, that the unity of the church is brought about by the Spirit. We saw that this whole, this whole thing of God building on the foundation of Christ and the prophets, uh, building this building of, of the body of Christ was in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so it's, it's the Holy Spirit that is empowering all of this. So for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit is all of that to be real in my life. The effects of the Holy Spirit empowering me, giving knowledge and wisdom and understanding is, is, is the Holy Spirit in my life. But, but this is a command. See, this is still the Holy Spirit doing that. This is telling me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? How do I do something to be filled with the Holy Spirit? In the beginning of our church here, we went through the letters of hope. H-O-P-E, and, and, set, and, and dug into four ways in practice that we can live in the living hope of Jesus Christ. And the first of those was H. Anybody remember what H stood for? Hearing with faith. And our key verse was in Galatians chapter three. Let's turn there now. Galatians chapter 3, I'm just going to look at verse 5. 
It says, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? See, what, what we often want to think is, oh, I need to be filled with the Spirit, so I need to work backwards in what Ephesians has, and I, I need to really dig in and, and embrace these, uh, these behaviors in my relationships and in, and in the church, and by, by doing all of those things, now I'm going to experience being filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's the other way around. By being filled with the Holy Spirit, all of these things become a reality in my life and a reality in my church. So then to be filled with the Holy Spirit is not doing a list of things. That would be by works. Does he who supply the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? No. He does it by hearing with faith. Hearing the word of God. As the word of God is is teaching me and leading me to these truths about what he has for me, about his promises, about his his truth about who I am in Christ and, and about what it means to follow him, I'm taking that in faith. What does faith look like? Faith often looks like facing my fears. As, as, as the word of God is leading me to reconcile with a brother or sister, that's not comfortable. But in faith, I'm trusting God and what happens in that? No, it's no longer just me trying to reconcile with my brother or sister. The power of the Holy Spirit then fills me to reconcile with, I'm, I'm obeying God's word in faith. I'm hearing God's word and responding in faith. So it's no longer me then. That's, that's now being filled with the Holy Spirit. When I get up here to preach, How do I preach filled with the Holy Spirit? It's by me believing God's word and his truth that he promises that he's gonna be the one, that he's called me to a calling to speak. And now just by taking his word and believing it in faith, then the Holy Spirit then empowers that. How many ways, in every way, believing believing what God has said has said, and, and walking in truth. So there's gonna be pride. There's gonna be laying down my pride, uh, uncomfortable situations where I'm trusting the Spirit of God to do that. I'm gonna be living a transparent life. He says, you are a child of light. That means you don't need to hide anymore. Boy, that's a difficult one. But in faith, if I believe that, the Holy Spirit enters into that. And we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, fundamentally changing everything that I believe to be most important and most desirable in life. The Bible challenges all of those things. And when I take that and I believe it in faith, God, what you have said is most important. I believe that. I'm gonna confess that your word is true. What you have said is that that it's more desirable to be close to you than anything this world has to offer. That's something that's very difficult to get into my head, but God, I'm gonna confess that that's the truth. God, give me the faith to believe it. And what happens then is the Holy Spirit enters into that and empowers us to actually have a desire for God 
that, that is, grows outside of everything this world has to offer, and we're willing to lay down everything and say, Jesus, you are greater and, and a greater treasure in my life than anything else. So what does it look like when you have a body that's walking filled with the Spirit? Uh, the next verses says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this isn't like the sound of music where we break out in song and sing to each other and, and, and you know, greet each other with, with songs. I don't know, maybe they did that back then. I don't think so. Um, but I, I think we got to experience a little bit of this the other day. Um, it was the, the Monday after we had our, our first baptisms, and some of the leadership got together. And in that meeting, um, we were just basking in the joy of the Lord for what he was doing in our body. Because that, that was an incredible time. The first time as a church we were baptizing. And, and we had two languages present. And, and just that, that, that symbol of, of the work of Christ and what his purpose was, the light of Christ in this body, um, happening in baptism, and, and there was a song in our speech. It wasn't literally singing, but, but the joy of the Lord was there, and, and there, was, there was a song in our heart to the Lord in the midst of that, and we were just basking in how excited we were about what God was doing. That, that's what this is. That, that's, that's a body filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working in us to his purpose, and then us just enjoying it and loving it. That's what this is about. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what we were doing. All right. The final point, if you notice in verse 18, it says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Final point is it's all for Jesus, all of it. Joy, thanksgiving, reverence, everything for Jesus. And thanksgiving, that thanksgiving is thanksgiving to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You could just dig into that because that's seeing God, the Father, his sovereign hand over every part of my circumstance? Am I in the middle of a difficult time? Am I a mother with just kids that are not obeying me? And, and on Mother's Day, trying to get them all ready for church and, and it's not going well. Or, or maybe I'm at this, at this job and it's difficult. Or maybe I've lost my job and now I don't know what I'm gonna do. What, what is the circumstance? This is recognizing that God has his hand over all of it and all of it is for Jesus and the purpose of Jesus. So then that 
situation, I can be thankful for everything. And Paul gives us that example here. He says multiple times, I am a prisoner for the Lord. I'm a prisoner for Christ. In other letters, he says it again. He says, I'm a prisoner for the gospel. He sees his current situation as the hand of God putting him in a place to be an instrument for God for the purpose of Christ which is the gospel, to be a light. So where are we at? Are, are we so caught up in the difficulty we're at that we're not able to see God's purpose in it, that he wants us to be a light? And his children, he leads through difficult places to be a light in difficult places. And sometimes he'll lead you through a difficult time so that you can be a light to someone who has experienced that difficult time. Praise the Lord that he uses us in that way, but are we prepared in our hearts that that's the reality of being a child of light? This is not a time to just relax and, and, and well, be in debauchery, of just saying, I'm just gonna relax and, and get everything out of the world I can. No, there's a purpose to where we're at as a child of God to be his light. Submitting out of reverence to him. Why do we as a church submit to one another? Why does Reuben and I battle for unity, battle, battle for, for, for submitting to one another and, and not saying I'm greater than you or you're greater than me, but loving each other as brothers? It's, it's because we have Christ as our head. Out of reverence for Christ, Reuben doesn't do that because of my good character or because David's such a great guy. No, if it was based on that, it would fail very quickly. It's out of reverence for Christ that we pursue unity with each other and submit to one another. And that's gonna be an important part as we get into later next week, the relationships that we have in our families and those around us. Um, my mom and I used to do something uh, when we were kids, uh, or when I was kids, my mom wasn't a kid, uh, but when, when our family, we were kids, something I loved to do where uh, we would sing uh, a hymn or a praise song, and then we'd go back and forth, and we had to come up with another hymn or praise song uh, that, that connected somehow. There was a word in that one that connected to the one that we would sing, and so you'd find one, and then you'd, you'd, we'd sing that together, um, and then we'd, we'd go on and on. I loved doing that with my mom. Um, one of the songs that we sang, uh, I looked up. It's, it's written by Judson Wheeler Van, Van Deventer. That's a long name. He was born in 1855. Um, and his testimonies, and I love this testimony. He, he had this career path that he was on as an artist, uh, went to college, was teaching. I think he was teaching. Um, but there, there was a time where the people around him saw his faith and his fervor for the Lord and said, we believe that God is calling you to be an evangelist. And, and for five years, he kind of wrestled with that. And finally, he said, okay. Um, uh, and it was when, when at that time where he surrendered to God's purpose in his life of what God was leading him to do that he wrote this song. Um, and this song, is, it's called I Surrender, uh, I Surrender All. Um, and later on, um, what's his name? Judson Wheeler, uh, towards the end of his life, uh, was at this Bible college seminary and, 
and greatly influenced one of the students there that would meet with him, both the song and, and himself were an influence on this young man uh, whose name was Billy Graham. Um, and Billy Graham's testimony speaks of, the, of this man. We don't know where God's gonna lead us or what, it, what impact our life might have. But whether it's in my family, it's in my job, it's, it's wherever he's placed me, if I'm, if I'm looking to his leadership, and I'm following him, then my life is gonna be a light for his purpose. I love that song. Um, I didn't write down the words. Uh, I remember the chorus. All right, what, what's the first verse? Well, the, um, the chorus goes, my mom's probably going, David, it's this. Um, all to Jesus, thank you. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. Every day in, in his presence I will live. I surrender all. I'm not gonna be able to sing that. I surrender all, all. To him, Jesus, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. That's what wisdom is. It's every part of my life, every moment of my life, looking to Jesus and his direction in my life. Surrendering to his will, empowered by his Holy Spirit. You can go ahead and come on up, John. We're going to close with a song where we confess the attributes of Jesus in contrast to the world around us. And I, I want us, as we're looking, as we're singing these words, to just sing them to Jesus. He is good in contrast to a world that is evil. He is love in contrast to a world that is full of selfish ambition. He is light into a world of darkness. He is hope in a world that's hopeless. He is peace in a world that's torn and wrought with conflict. He is true in a world that is, that is imprisoned by the liar and, and, and deceiver. He is joy. Boy, he is joy in a world that is hurt and brokenhearted. And he is life in a world that is wrecked by sin and death. Let's just declare this morning, Jesus, our Lord, and who he is. Mm. Father, <laughs> praise you, Lord, Jesus how good it is to follow you. Because God, when you place us in a place to be, to be light for your name, God, in the, in the thickest of darkness, we feel your presence the closest. Because God, you have promised that you will never leave us. God, let the promises of your word just set deeply into our heart so that we could walk in courage 
and walk with purpose in our life and in places that are not comfortable, in places that stretch us and, and, and we're afraid, God. Keep our eyes on you. God, let us just know your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.